sometimes all we get is as good as it gets. Mm, that was fresh. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? <laughs> I, I think I failed at an intro. <laughs> sometimes we get what we want and sometimes we get what we need. Or what we deserve. Because that might be it. That happens sometimes. Hello, welcome to the Blank Space Podcast. We're keeping all that in. <laughs> we're, keep, we're keeping all that in. Keep Keeping it all in. We're just feeling it. <laughs> With something. Oh yeah. Something indeed. Anthony, Ooh, I, this was something. How has your week been? Oh, my week has been... Uh, fun and interesting and full of non-stop accounting wonderfulness i can tell you all about my spreadsheets and my macros and uh oh did you fall asleep no 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 i'm le- i'm letting you go i'm, I'm letting you free okay. into the world i'm 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 un- unleashing you and you're able to tell the audience all about the <sighs> The exciting world of, of accounting. I'm just gonna grab a pillow. Alright, man. I I did that. I feel the snark, you know. Grab, it, grab and it, it hurts. Like, myself it a pillow. Hurts. But I, I I know the truth. It's okay. We we've we've been punished for our sins, I think. <laughs> what? It's that's that's an interesting way to describe your job. I'm being punished uh, no, for no, my no, no, sins. No. I mean, sure, you can look at it that way. But I, I was more referring to uh, what we're going to be jumping into today. Uh, before we get into that, how about how about you tell us, uh, h- how was your week, good sir? It's been going all right. It's been going all right. I've been tinkering around with new recipes that I've been cooking with. Mm. Um, I made butter chicken the other day, and that turned out to be mostly all right. I made way too much rice for one single person to eat. Um, essentially, I made a entire bag of rice that I had, mm. and I didn't realize that it was a two-pound bag. Oh, well, shit, man. So, so I made two pounds of white rice for myself, and the, the butter chicken stuff I was only making, it was only a pound of chicken, which when you cook that down, that turns into like three-quarters of a pound long story short it um i finished the chicken and then there was still like a pound of rice left and i just kind of just kind of put that into my trash can just just was like you know what i'm good with this hey 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 look that i like to think of that as meal prep (laughs) you know i would too but specifically i think with white rice i'm like this is so cheap i'm just gonna throw it away like if it was if it was a specific kind of rice, like it was jasmine or basmati mm-hmm. or Mexican or any kind of rice that actually like tasted good on its own, I would I'm gonna I'm gonna make people mad with that. But if it was something specific where it was like, oh, I could eat this by itself, but all I'm gonna do is throw stuff into the rice, and at that point, I'd just rather eat the thing that I'm gonna throw into the rice. I don't know, man. I, I see rice as as something that can that could uh, uh, fill out a meal. It, it allows it to uh, be more than what it is. Yeah, 
But at the same time, I have a lot of options in my kitchen, actually, for stuff like that. Mm. Like, like sides or filler stuff with it. Rice is one of those mm. things that, like, I can do with it. But I also have corn on the cob that I bought recently because I'm trying to get a little bit of that summer flare in before corn goes away. Um, Does corn go away? Well, corn on the cob isn't usually as easy to find in winter. Um, I mean, I mean... I'm going to just say it. I don't think corn on the cob's that good, but. I don't I don't think that's a very controversial opinion right there. What did you just say? Look, look, if if I get corn on the cob, my first thing I do is I take a knife and I am cutting the corn off that cob. A higher being put the corn <laughs> on a thing you can hold to eat it with yeah and you're telling me that you're gonna disrespect a higher being by cutting the corn off of the off of the natural corn holder to I eat have, with a fork i'm, I'm just saying man it, a corn is not is not god's will that is that is generations of people messing with shit a higher being <laughs> Corn on this earth on a cob for you to have be conveniently be able to hold it and eat it like a typewriter. Mm, I don't know, man. I don't I don't take my corn that way. Um, I'm not sure I appreciate corn being like that. Mm. Mm. You've said a lot of controversial things on this podcast, Dan. This might be the one that breaks the camel's back. Ooh. But we'll move past that okay. now. Okay. So I have corn in the cob, the best way to eat corn. Um, okay, I've got correct. Like bread, pff, I've got bread rolls. I've got like um, chips. I've got all kinds of stuff that I can have with dinner. Mm. I don't know. Just white rice on its own. Well, Unless, you don't do... You don't do white rice on its own. That is that is a mistake. Well, unless, unless, okay. and I don't know how they do it. All I right. don't know how Chinese food places do it. But for some reason, mm-hmm. for some reason, white rice there is absolutely delicious. Okay. Like white rice on its own, nothing added to it from like a Chinese food place. Absolutely delicious. You make white rice at home, it tastes exactly what rice should be like bland and uninteresting and need something else i don't think i agree with i think like if you salt it a little bit i can agree with you a bit but i I don't think i could just eat straight up white rice by itself To, to me like white rice is just one of those things that you always mix with something like mashed potatoes wait I'm making sure I'm hearing your sentence correctly. Are you putting rice in your mashed potatoes? No, no. Okay, okay. Like you, like you, we like were you about throw to, peas we, in with your mashed potatoes, or like you throw some other sauce with it. We were about right? to have a like, fist fight if you said corn of the cob is garbage <laughs> and I throw rice in my mashed potatoes. <laughs> I'm going to expose you for the alien you are underneath that skin. <laughs> oh my god, I was just... Uh. So... I mean, if... I do have purple mashed potatoes if you want those. Those are fine. I've had those before. Those are okay. Okay. You're not going to weird me. You're not going to catch me off guard with that one. 
All right. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. White rice in particular, if I make a whole handful of it, I'm okay with throwing a, a portion of it away because I'm never going to eat all of it. I, I can understand not wanting to deal with all that white rice, but for me, I would I would just want to have it like blended in. I'd use it like for my next meal or something and kind of just mix it in with that. Then again, there's stale rice and then there's fresh rice. and <laughs> That's the thing. All right. So this is something I think I might have talked about on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. I am terrible with leftovers. There oh. are very few leftovers that I'm interested in eating. And this isn't like a picky like, oh, no, I've only had fresh food in my life. No, just for okay. some reason, my taste buds leftovers a lot of leftovers just don't taste good to me huh like when i go home from thanksgiving i take a take a goodie bag of everything home only like two-thirds of that is getting eaten cranberries are not a thing i'm gonna reheat yeah um mashed potatoes to a degree i mean sometimes yes but most of the time if it's that like bag mix no it's not worth it Mm mm-hmm there's a, there's a lot. There's a there's a laundry list. You know, it's it's interesting. I would say that for the most part, I agree with you, except when I cook. Uh, I think like most of the stuff I end up cooking does reheat very well, um, and I'm kind of used to that. I noticed that uh, you need to have like a certain like flavor profile that you're throwing in there, and the answer is a lot. <laughs> What kind of flavor profile are you throwing in there? All. All of it. No, I, I agree like, I agree with you with food I make, but also mm-hmm. I go out of my way if I'm making food that's more than one portion that I'm going to eat after the fact. Like, I'm not going to make myself tacos. Um, I'm not, I'm not, like, tacos in particular and burritos, I make a whole bunch of stuff for because obviously I love burritos and they heat up really nicely mm-hmm. but um what's an example of something that would not reheat well on my palate um i mean turkey doesn't i know turkey doesn't reheat well to get like tur- what, what you said those holiday meals i totally agree they usually don't tur- they don't reheat turkey well. i'll do once turkey i'll do once and then after that it's done like, I, I have no more need, mm. need of it. But, like, I'll do it once and put it on, like, a sandwich. Usually because I can fill it full of gravy and, like, all kinds of stuff. Like, I don't have to do... Mm-hmm. I don't have to, like, just do turkey by itself. But, yeah, leftovers in, in particular I'm really picky about. I, I get what you're saying. I do get what you're saying. I, I know for most of my meals, I try and make sure that they can like be stretched past like one meal at least. Mm-hmm. So like I can have to do less cooking. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, that's what I do with pasta. I make a whole big thing of pasta and then eat half of it and then save the other half for another day. Gotcha. I, I was so upset when I made pasta today. I dropped the whole pasta Uh-oh. into the sink. Not not into not into a colander, just straight into the sink. Well, I don't I don't use a colander. What? How do you how do you I, how do you get the water out? Oh, I mean, I I uh, hold the lid down and I have it over the sink. And there's like a strain there's like a strain spot 
for it to, for the water to come out, and I accidentally let go of the lid, and all the pasta fell into the sink. Anthony, please let me buy you a colander. They're like five or ten bucks. <laughs> I, I will buy. You can avoid this ever happening again. Like for the rest of eternity, you'll never have to worry about dumping pasta down your sink. <laughs> this is hey, look, look. This is the only time it's happened over the entire time I've lived at my apartment so far. So I'd like to think this is a good. Uh, poor ratio I've had. <laughs> I love the idea that you're like, it's only happened once in the, in the like few months I've lived here. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you again in like a year, how many times it's happened. You'll be like, so it's only happened four times. <laughs> Look, statistically out of a year, that's not bad. It's not terrible, but Anthony, I'm buying you a colander for Christmas. Expect one in the mail. <laughs> okay. Um, no, like, I, with pasta in particular, I'm actually getting super big into, like, adding a bunch of stuff to it. Because originally I would just mm-hmm. do pasta and sauce, but now I'm adding meatballs, I'm adding some shredded cheese, I'm adding this, I'm adding that. Just some good stuff to it. I even found I, one recipe. I have, like, a... I've got a few nice mixes that I try and put together. I, I like throwing in, like, uh, I use, like using Alfredo as my base. Mm. And uh, usually throwing in, like, some Cajun spice or some jerk chicken spice or uh, or whatever meat I'm going to be cooking with with it. I'm going to throw, like, honey mm. on top of it. So, like, I have, like, this honey ginger ham that I like to put together. Oh, my God. That I throw, like, a little bit of uh, chili powder on. And it... It usually comes out really, really nice. And I can just throw it inside that Alfredo pasta, and it complements it really nicely. I I did some honey on some coconut shrimp the other day, and that was the best decision I think I've ever made in my life. Mm. Like, we could put, going, oh. we could put like, going to college, uh, getting a job, buying my first car, like, uh, all these things that have been great, like, good moments in my life. And then honey on coconut shrimp is just kind of like at the tippy top. It's definitely in the top two. Nice. <laughs> I definitely, you, you keep telling me about this coconut shrimp, but I really, I need to learn to cook it at some point. It is not, I, I get, you get some shrimp at the store, already peeled and deveined. Uh, like, you don't worry about like oh. doing that. You get it at the store. Uh. You get some like an egg wash, which is just eggs in a bowl. And then you put coconut mm-hmm. flakes next to it. You put the shrimp in the in the egg wash, and then you put it in the coconut so it soaks, so it like has little coconut flakes all over it. Yeah. Then you put it into a toaster oven for some amount of time. I think it's like ten or fifteen minutes. I forget. I'll I'll, I'll figure out what it is. And then once it's been in there for that amount of time, you put it under a flame to broil for just a minute, just to get that crisp. And then you're done. That's mm. it. It takes like it takes like huh. twenty minutes to make at most. Hmm. That does sound like a good combo. I feel like instead of a colander, I need a toaster oven. Don't have a toaster. No, that's what I'm getting you. There was a uh, I, did, I, did, I did like using a toaster oven when I had it back at my parents' place, but uh, I it's just one of those things I just have not picked up. I use way too. I use it way too often. I, that, is, I, that is my bread and butter. Pan, I pan fry most things that I use, or pan cook. Mmm. Most of the things I end up cooking with usually get panned. Panned. <laughs> um, 
I I actually did make a discovery, by the way, which I am very happy about. Mm-hmm. Is that almond milk uh, can replace most milk milk in recipes. Hmm. I think I've heard that before, and, actually. And here's the great thing, since I'm not really a milk drinker, uh, it doesn't go bad for three months. Yeah, it's got a stupid long shelf life. Although it's like double, yeah. the, double the price of milk regularly, but it lasts three times as long. I Ten mean, times as long. Yeah, and uh, I would just end up throwing it out uh, <laughs> if it was regular milk. And I'd use it like for one recipe uh, out of like a week. Wait, is this your admission on the podcast that you're not eating your Wheaties every day? I don't... You're not eating milk, your Wheaties? Milk, yeah, look, man, milk does not belong in cereal. You're going to grow up big and strong, but you got to eat your Wheaties. All right, man. I mean, look, those Wheaties are going down dry. There's no milk. <laughs> I, hate it. I hate that as an idea. Those Wheaties are going down dry. <laughs> so you're just eating dry cornflakes no <laughs> why would you do I mean, this that is that is the better option than with milk i was on stream with uh with john the other day and we did a cereal tier list that might be something we actually do on a podcast one day is a tier list of a of, of, a, mm. of a thing like cereal okay. or something like that but for the most part okay. yeah um cornflakes ended up in the bottom of the bottom tier mm. on off the top of your head what is like an S tier cereal to you? Honey Nut Cheerios. That's 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 not a bad choice. Cause you can you can have it any time, and you don't feel like you're eating candy. Mm. Do you put honey on your Honey Nut Cheerios? That's a bit much, man. <laughs> Double the honey. Double the nope. <laughs> All right, that's enough food talk. <laughs> You've ruined it. You peed in my Cheerios, as the metaphor goes. It's apt for, it's apt for this. <laughs> Anthony, we have a specific thing to talk about today. I, uh, I, yeah. I, 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 we haven't been delaying, I promise. Um, I just, uh, I wanted to talk about something other than something. Uh, I, I wanted to talk about something beforehand, talking about this. Um. So if, if, if anyone is new to the podcast or has been listening for a while, we did a podcast a while ago about the Metro series, about Metro um, 2033 and Metro Last Light. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's fair to say we we're both really positive on those games. Yes. Um, yeah, we, we, we came away from both those games and had a really good experience of both of them. For me, those that those games in particular rank as some of my favorite shooters. I don't know where they would rank, but they're definitely up there. Um, and Last Light is uh, definitely, uh, I would think, one of my favorites hmm. for sure. Um, but there was a third game made in the series called Metro Exodus, and we were going to talk about the game when it came out because it was close to it was like close to when we actually talked about the series. Um, mm-hmm. But there was a weird release with it where, on PC at least, it came out on a different platform that I normally use. So I waited I waited for it to come to the platform I normally use on PC. And Anthony, I think you had played it pretty much on release, correct? Correct. 
Yeah, so there was a long, long period, like basically a year, where I, I, I just kind of waited out the game for it to come um, to Steam. And it finally came, I bought it, and I played it at my ridiculously slow snail's sloth pace that I play video games. And I... This is all, this has all been on. leading up to, I finally finished hold Metro on. Exodus. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hmm? hold on. Is that is that the reason why you you like sloth? Because <laughs> that's how you play games. I just put it no, together. No, I just relate to them in many ways, and uh, and okay. one of the coincidences happened to be playing games very slowly. It's not by design, I promise you. I uh, okay. It's a point of frustration for myself, by the way. Like genuinely, that I'm like, <laughs> it takes me so long to play this game, um, but. And listen to podcasts. Now <laughs> you just call me out. <laughs> but it takes me so long, kind of from when I start a game to, to finish one, um, that I it, it takes it takes a while. Essentially, that's that's the that's the end of it. But very recently, I finished the game, and I figure we should go back to it and talk about the game. Mm-hmm. Anthony, how much of this game do you remember? Because it's been about two years since you played it. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> I remember the game overall being a very positive experience uh, that I had enjoyed. Um, I, I know when it comes to me that I can get a bit of tunnel vision when I'm playing a game, especially if it's a narrative type game, where I'm not really looking for uh, any of the defects that are in it, and I'm just kind of rolling with what it is. Uh, so when I had originally played this game, I'd enjoyed it very thoroughly. Hmm. But um, on recollection, uh, especially since uh, you had begun talking to me about what had been going on with you, uh, for one, it's been very interesting to hear your your side of events uh, because it feels <laughs> like side we of both played. <laughs> I mean, look, it, it feels like we've played totally different games. Mm. That that's first and foremost. Uh, I think it's I think it'd be better if uh, since you have uh, more issues with the game for for you to kick off on your events so uh tell us tell us tell us your feelings i'm not a fan of this game (laughs) i'm i'm not i'm not a fan of this game i um you know i've been trying to look up actually how long i've been playing the game and i feel like it's actually longer than this but the earliest the earliest thing i can find for it is i started playing it in may and I finished the game at I, I started it at the end of May and finished it at the end of August. So that was mm-hmm. June, July. Yeah, about three about three months to finish a game that's like twenty hours or something like that. For okay, quite a while. Um, yeah, I had a significant amount of issues playing this game. Um, I I kind of want to get ahead of it and say that. This is definitely my least favorite of the three games, but I'm undecided if I think this is a bad game necessarily. Um, A lot of the issues I had with this game, and this is kind of what makes me wonder specifically if like my experience was different than most people's. I had so many technical issues with this game. And it is not like poor performance because on on pc 
um, games can run poorly for any number of reasons, like uh, mm -hmm. performance-wise, frame rate, um, resolution, all kinds of stuff that can that can vary based on what your rig is and how you run the game. But the issues I was having were at the game's core. They were they were technical issues with how the game was built. So it's it was kind of concerning when I started talking to Anthony about these issues. And as far as I can tell, I'm alone in this. I'm alone in these issues. Yeah, it's interesting because when I first played the game, uh, given that it was probably... I was playing it on a way earlier build than you. Yeah, you were playing it uh, at, at release, which no game on release is like at peak performance. Yeah, um, I I didn't actually recall having really any issues while I was playing. I didn't have any um, stuttering. I didn't have like any freeze ups really. I can think of only one part where I had any actual technical issues with the game, and uh, I think that was at the, right after the bear fight. Yeah. Well, I'll get into that in a little bit, but I do want to preface people: mm -hmm. if you have, if you want to play this game, or you are currently playing this game, uh, I'm gonna stay very light on spoilers with what I've experienced. But I will let everybody know when we are gonna to get to spoilers because I am gonna talk about the end of this game. But I will save that for the end of the podcast. Yeah, I'm not gonna make well, that. We'll shoot. We'll we'll shoot you off, and at that point, you can stop listening and all that. Yeah, but for now, I'm gonna stay light on spoilers. If anything, it'll be very vague what I'm talking about. Um, mm -hmm. so issues I had in the game, I couldn't climb shit in this game. There were so many surfaces that were like waist high. That, like, your character does this little animation when, like, they're climbing up a ledge that they can't just jump on top of. There mm -hmm. were so many times I came up to a ledge that was waist height, and my character would act like he was scaling Mount Everest doing it. He would, like, grasped on and, like, like with his big burly arms pulled himself up. And it was, a, it was, a, it was like a ledge that was waist height. It's like, come on, mm -hmm. man, what are you doing? There were plenty of ledges I just couldn't grab onto. There were like section. There's a whole section of the game in a desert where I that that is where it really ingrained in my head that I do not like the the movement mechanics in this game. It feels like the older games. It feels like the older games where everything's a little bit sturdy, a little bit rigid, a little bit kind of like form factor almost, where it's just like. This is your character. He can do this, this, and this. Don't try and go outside the, these parameters. But mm. this being an open world game where you can explore and go into different parts of the game and check out this and that and the other thing, your character being so rigid feels so bad to play. Because like this climbing mechanic is so poorly implemented. Where there are so many mm -hmm. ledges I came up to that I should be able to climb but I just can't because what, okay. whatever reason. Um, I may be a little bit spoiled on this. I will freely admit that like the games I've started playing recently, like within the last couple of years, have had excellent movement systems where you feel like you're able to climb and scale anything like Titanfall 2, Apex Legends, Breath of the Wild, all these games that are sent, like somewhat open world, but 
have excellent um, climbing mechanics and like have excellent movement mechanics so when you're moving around you're doing this it's just the climbing in general feels really bad man i i gotta say um i personally am not used to games having more verticality mm-hmm. uh i i really haven't played games uh, like those like i know i even just recently started playing titanfall and it's it's so strange to, to have that movement availability but i still find myself like avoiding it uh as often as i can i i want to talk so, about when, when you do finish either the single player campaign or just do some of the multiplayer i do want to talk to you about that game because i have a lot of things to say about that game a lot of positive things but a lot of things to say okay um other things the other issues i had with stealth in this game feels exactly like the old games and it feels terrible in an open world setting like in the old game stealth was pretty jank it it didn't mm-hmm. quite work but there was a lot of tell the levels were designed specifically to tell you if you step on this broken glass you're gonna make a noise and the person's gonna see you it was super straightforward mm-hmm. in this game i feel like people see me from 600 meters away and then shoot me and i die even if it's in the cover of night but on the flip side of the coin um on your wrist there's a little watch that has a light on it if the light is on people can see you if the light is off people can't see you that's how stealth works in this in this iteration of the game um it's it's similar to the old ones but it feels different you could be standing in a dimly lit room where a giant hulking six foot something man covered in like Spartan body armor is sitting two feet from somebody. But if that light is off, they won't see you. It feels so strange to play. It doesn't feel like um, it's fully fleshed out at all. And there are so many sections in this game where, like, I can't really tell if I'm correctly stealthing the the mission it's giving me. Um, I feel like I, I, I can agree with that to some degree. On on one hand, um, like, if you're saying, like, from, like, a narrative basis and, like, what the game actually gives you and what you think is supposed to be happening, it, it can be a little bit jarring. But I also feel like when I end up going into games, I see the limitations of the system that's around me, and then my mind just kind of adapts to that, and it and it it does it doesn't become jank to me at all. Um, I I do see what you're saying, and I do agree that it does seem pretty weird of a system. But it's interesting because, like, in in the midst of me playing the game, I never picked that up as something that was like felt off or weird or something that shouldn't be happening. It's it's something I noticed because I definitely feel the same way. Where if a game is very gamey, I'm not gonna question like, oh man, silencers don't really exist in real life. If you shoot a silenced weapon, someone will hear. No, I'm not that kind of person. But. Mm-hmm. It feels strange for your character to be standing for for the game to be such um, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for for the game to be so black and white with with its stealth mechanic where it's just 
If the light is off, they cannot see you. If the light is on, they can see you from anywhere in the world. There Mm. were plenty of times where I was very far from somebody who was patrolling. But because my light was on, they kept, like, noticing me. And you might have noticed this while you are playing it. The game has a very specific noise it plays when someone starts to see you. Like, it's almost like a violin Mm -hmm. string or something like that. Mm -hmm. There was one part of the game where that played on repeat for about two minutes. Somebody had, like, kept seeing me and then losing sight of me and kept seeing me and losing sight of me and kept seeing me and losing sight. Like, it, it happened several times to the point where it was hilarious why I wasn't being caught. I wasn't getting <laughs> shot at. I was walking around just doing my thing. I wasn't even sure where they were, where they were seeing me. But the noise kept happening, so I just assumed that I was like, oh yeah, I guess I'm just narrowly avoiding getting caught. I don't know. This is going to be like a bigger theme in this, in this, in me talking about this game. But the feedback from this game feels awful. It feels so bad to play. And I guess okay. for to, to describe feedback in the way I'm describing it is... When you do something in a game, you expect a reaction from it. Let's say, for example, you you shoot an enemy um, in the head. They should they 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 die. That's that's pretty straightforward. That's pretty good. That's pretty good um, feedback from the game. Um, there are some games that kind of forego that, but they have feedback in other ways, like enemies staggering or big numbers showing up in your face or something like that. Mm-hmm. This game feels so strange with feedback in in stealth, in combat, in how you move about the world. It's so strange. The stealth in particular just feels like I, I don't know where I'm being seen from. I don't know who is seeing me. I don't know how they're seeing me. If the Sometimes I don't even know if like because the light is on they're seeing me or because i'm like doing something or making a noise that they're seeing me for it's 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 difficult to explain without just going into every specific example but like it's it just doesn't feel right okay i mean i i can i can kind of see what you mean by that i i think there are some frustrating elements in the game but i Um, think when it came to stealth uh i kind of just rolled with whatever was happening if i got seen i got seen and then i rolled with that as a consequence of just being seen well just let me Um, well let me add a caveat to that okay um to to achieve to achieve one of the to achieve the good ending of the game stealth is essentially mandatory so while I have a while I have gripes with it, and it's like you know what, like it's not the end of the world if the stealth system's not perfect. The game requires you in one specific section of the game to stealth. Otherwise, you have the chance of losing a good ending to this game, and that frustrates me to no end. But we'll get into that when spoilers come around. Oh, yes, because you, you definitely have something to say about oh, that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, cutscenes in the game. Um, I've always liked how Metro does their cutscenes. 
Um, cutscenes in Metro aren't like videos that are played in front of you. You don't like have sweeping cameras and doing all this. You're the character. You're you're looking through your character's eyes, experiencing the cutscene as it happens. Um, mm-hmm. The the people around you are moving around and talking and um, doing things while they're doing that. And I've always really appreciated that in in Metro, in Half Life, in games that have that to it. But this game has so many things that tore me out of the cutscenes. And I use tore me out specifically because I I enjoy the dialogue in these games. I enjoy the story. I enjoy the characterization of all these people. But things kept happening that kept ruining my immersion in the game. So, for example, there was one scene in the, in the game where um, a character is very sick. And you're going around the your your train talking to people, and they're kind of giving you like pep talks about it because they're like, "Oh yeah, things are, things are hard right now, but we'll get through it." There was one person who was uh, talking to me, and then I noticed um, there was something there was something coming at me. It was raining outside of the train, and the windows were all closed. But the rain droplet effect that they had on the window was flowing through the window at me onto the floor. And not like water. No, like the rain droplet effect was just flowing through the train. Hmm. That was a little annoying. Let me give you another example of this happening. There was a scene. There was a scene where someone's giving a speech. Um, it's a, it's a happy moment. They're giving a speech about something, something big that's happening on the train. One character decided not to participate in this. And it happened to be the other main character who, who was, um, in this speech. So one person was standing up and giving a speech to the other person. And the other person was just sitting there. Not doing anything. Mm. And then when it was their turn to speak. They jettisoned up. <laughs> they they jerked up immediately and got into the position the game wanted them to be in to give said speech. Let me give you another example. You've, you've had so many jank things happen to you during your playthrough. There is one scene it's... where you were driving around with another main character in a snow-ridden area that is very difficult to like get around and um you get to a point where you have to get out of the get out of the car um well the other person says okay let me get out first and i will check things out he is on the passenger side of the car he is on the right side of the car he goes opens his door he teleports to the left side of the car and closes the right side door from the left side of the car let me give you another example so, there was one time where all these characters are getting around and something serious was happening. So, like, w- someone was in danger and we were trying to figure out how to help them. Well, it, the game decided to play everyone's voice lines at the same time. So, everyone was talking at exactly the same time. <laughs> and not like, in a oh, everyone's talking over each other, like everyone's nervous, everyone wants to get their word in. No, it's like every single audio file played at once. Oof. I Oh man, you 
you have had issues that I just did not have. I during I, that game. I, I want to reiterate that I love the stories in Metro Twenty Thirty Three and Last Light, and I love the characters and the world building they do and everything about it. And this game continually kept ripping me out of the story with issues and technical bugs and all this other stuff. It's it's so frustrating because I can see a game that I might like, but the game keeps tearing me out of it with bugs and issues and all this other nonsense going on. Yeah, this is something I just find so interesting uh, because I didn't have those sort of issues when I was playing the game. Like, the audio never got buggy. Uh, everything played when it was supposed to. The cutscenes I had, uh, no jank happened during them, and they played as they were supposed to. Uh, and this is this is the awful thing about bugs like these is that they'll work they'll happen for one system and not the other. So while I have uh, I guess a pristine experience, <laughs> and uh, you have the Metro Exodus from hell. <laughs> that really is how it feels because um, I, I wrote a review for this game for Steam because I, I wanted to let people know that like I had such a bad issue with this game. That if you're thinking of buying it, you really need to consider if this game is going to run well for you. Like, keep keep Steam's refund policy in the back of your head while you're playing it. If you start to have bad issues, it's not it, you might have the same issues I had, which is going to tear you out of this game. And at the time of us recording this, it is a year and a half after the game has been released. There's no mm-hmm. way they're patching these issues. Like, it's so past release that, like, I could make a forum post, I could reach out to the devs, I could do any number of things. They're probably not fixing it at this point. Whatever issues I have. I would also say uh, that if you're at that point and you're trying to enjoy the game, uh, it's already a failure. (laughs) Well, Um, I I I, I would, for the most part, already be giving up on that game. Well, there have been games in the past that I've had cataclysmic issues with. But because it's either a smaller developer or it's near release or they're patching the game still, I felt confident that I could reach out to them. I have one story where I played a game um, called Offspring Fling. Um, It's this cute little puzzle game where you're a mom with a bunch of little baby, like, cute animal things, whatever they are. I I don't fully know. Um, and it's a, it's not a super long puzzle game. It's like eight hours or something like that, but I was having a lot of fun with it. And I had a cataclysmic issue where the game completely crashed and it deleted my save game entirely. Like I, I could not recover it. So on a whim on like an absolute, like on an absolute, just a thought, I reached out to the developer. I sent them an email was like, Hey, I had this issue. Is there anything you can do to help? Because I, I, I don't know if I'm going to complete the game if I, if I lose all my progress. And he responded to me. He actually got back to me and said, it's a, it was a developer of one person. Like, the one person made this game. And he was like, oh, yeah, like, if you go to this folder, there will be temporary files from the game. You'll be able to recover a save there. I'm like, oh, my God, thank you. Like, that was incredible. That was amazing. I don't think I'm going to have that luck with Metro Exodus. I, I think we're well past the point of that happening. That's that's pretty fair. Yeah. Um, I do... I, 
I do want to compliment something about the game before I kind of like go more into my problems with it. Um, just just because I it's not, I, I I feel like I'm painting a super negative picture with this game. Okay, but I do like the d- open world design of these maps. I think we were talking about this when we initially discussed it. Is that? Mm-hmm. These open world areas do feel like they're lived in and they do kind of feel like they make sense how they're laid out. It's not like um, it's not like we just they just randomly place stuff in a map and it's like, all right, you're done. That's it. That's the map. It, there's definitely... Yeah, um, I, I definitely do agree with that uh, because uh, for me, these are like the right level of open worlds where it's open worlds enough to where you can kind of go things at your own pace and choose to go at them as you do. But it's closed enough to where you're not, like, trying to needle in a haystack something or you're just trying to do, like, these endless, um, uh, what is it, collectathon kind of quests and such. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting because everything makes sense from a world perspective and, a, and like, a player's a player's um, way of going about it. So from a world perspective, there's one world that's actually set in a forest. Um, and everything you're kind of playing against, like all the the entire level is against this river um, that you're just kind of following up to get to get to the your end goal. And the entire time, mm-hmm. like everyone's built these like shanty towns and, and like stuff along the river because it's just easy to get up and down it. Like that makes perfect sense to me. And then there's mm-hmm. another world that's in that's the desert level I was talking about earlier, where you get a car, and you drive around it, and there are roads. There's like not roads, but like there are like indentations where the road would be to show you, like, oh yeah, if you drive this way, you can figure it out. Your map kind of mm-hmm. shows these little pathways as well. It all makes sense. Like it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a smart design for an open world. I'm not gonna call it my favorite design, but it's it's. It makes sense how it how it's laid out. It, it encourages yeah. ex- exploration, and it lets players yeah. kind of like do what they want in the world. Yeah, it, it definitely does. But it also does feel kind of weird. Uh, um, some places are definitely more open than others. Some yes. you're very much not. It's very much not in open worlds at all, and it's just the set path that you're going through. Yes, for for example, the forest level I was talking about was essentially a corridor, even though it seemed yeah. open world. You you followed that path one way. There was a point A to point B, while the desert in, level. In truth, hmm? yeah, I mean the desert level was an open world. Yeah. I think I, the thing is there are really only two open worlds, right? Because you had the initial swamp place, mm-hmm. right, and then you had the desert. And the rest were pretty much all kind of corridor-ish, right? Yeah, because you had swamp and desert, which were definitely open worlds. You had the forest, Mm -hmm. uh, which was the illusion of an open world, but was essentially a corridor. The final level of Mm -hmm. the game, which was definitely a corridor. And then the the little missions in between that were, like, they felt like missions from Metro 2033 and Metro Exodus, which were, like, corridor shooters like you go down a corridor you're reaching the end by just keep following the path yeah yeah 
and uh, it's interesting uh, that it that the game kind of builds itself as having more like open world, and you're kind of going, uh, you get to explore like as far as you can go, but it really only feels like the f- the the two the two first major areas are the only places that had fulfilled that kind of design decision you know like everything else was like okay we're running out of budget and time we we got to make this more streamlined see you mentioned that to me when we had talked before when i finished the the day i'd finished the game Mm -hmm. i agree with that wholeheartedly that this kind of feels like a game that they kind of ran dry they either ran dry on ideas or ran dry on money Mm -hmm. because it feels like they wanted to make this game bigger but they just didn't have they didn't have some they were missing something to make that happen whether it be time or money or ideas or whatever it it definitely mm-hmm. feels like a half baked game in some regards um yeah cuz there's there's it feels strange kind of in general the whole game I think I kind of want to get into spoilers now. I think I kind of want to get into spoilers. Yeah. Not necessarily, well, definitely the ending, but I kind of want to talk about the story as a whole. Yeah. So just give. And it. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I'm going to give my review of it real quick. Um, I would say if you played Metro games before, it's worth jumping into, but understand there are limitations uh, to it. I think overall it's a good quality game, but it's something that. You shouldn't have high hopes on. Um, if you play it, you're going to enjoy it through the motions. Though there are going to be th- there are possible things that can frustrate you. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. Uh, mine's definitely a little more negative, but I do think if you enjoy the Metro series, if you played one and you played two and you love both those games, you're going to pick this game up. Like this is this is a no brainer. Yeah. But there's definitely. There's definitely a mark of uh, mark down of quality in this game in my eyes. So I think I think, I think you should go in yeah. with the idea. I think you should go in with the idea of that this is this is a different kind of game, and you might enjoy it more. Like I've heard I've heard a lot of people say this was their game of the year when this came out, but mm-hmm. I I don't think I can say that for the series or just as a game on its own. I think yeah, I think the overall tone and cohesiveness of the the narrative itself isn't as strong as the other two games. Yeah. That's for sure. Like out of all three games, this is definitely the worst one. If but that's like, you know, it, it's not like a horrible game. That's not what I'm saying. Right. I'm just saying the other two are definitely better. Yeah, I think that's fair. If if you were look if you've never played a Metro game, please start with the other two first. They're they're much more polished products they they i i personally can vouch for them way more than this one if you have played both of them and you're still looking for more metro buy this on a sale buy this on the cheap like borrow it from a friend i don't know like just just Mm -hmm. just don't don't spend full price on it because i get the feeling anybody who goes in with high expectations is going to be let down which is kind of the camp I was in. Yeah, I, I think that's very fair. Yeah. All right. We're going to go into spoilers now. Anybody who wants out, get out. Here's a life preserver. Get off the boat. Come on. 
Get in. Get, get out. Get, get off the get boat. In, get, kids. get in. Get get in the life preserver. All right. Good. I'm throwing you overboard now. All right. Get, You're in the water. Call the sharks. You're in the water. Good. All right. We're drifting away now. Bye bye. Bye bye. We're gonna talk about Metro Exodus. Bye bye. Last chance. Here, sharks. Uh, Come here. <laughs> Don't feed our audience to the sharks. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm I'm gonna lead up to the ending because the ending I have strong feelings about. But the story okay. in this game is not as strong as the other two games. I I will say that with a hundred percent certainty. The story in this game is kind of meandery and it it has some interesting points but for the most part it just kind of so so the story of metro exodus is you play as artium main character last two games and you essentially flee from the metro with 10 of your best friends (laughs) and um you're on a road trip with them on this train above the surface now yeah everyone thought that the the surface was essentially a nuclear wasteland you wouldn't exist out there very long but apparently the world has recovered a bit everything kind of like is nice enough that you could live up there it's not perfect it's not amazing but it's it's enough that people can live on the surface and the story just kind of follows you in this train going from place to place to place i guess just trying to find a home like, I guess that's the overall story is you and Anna and the rest of the crew are just trying to find a place to settle down. Um, and the stories kind of happen in these environments that you go to. I don't think this is a strong story for Metro as a series because this just kind of feels like vignettes. You just kind of feel like a collection of side stories. It's like here's a yeah, that is... here's a story of Artyom. He found a place that said they were going to help him, and then they turned out to be cannibals. Oops. Here's a yeah, here's a sto- uh... here's a story about um, religious zealots who think technology is the devil. So Artyom needs to fight his way out and help people. It, it it feels like vignettes. It feels like small stories as opposed to this big overarching narrative for the game yeah and the worst thing is when it starts to build up its stories um it's at the end of the game uh, yeah and you feel like you're supposed to be at the halfway mark and there's supposed to be more yeah it... so that's that's probably the biggest narrative letdown for it when once you feel like the it actually starts going and you know things are pushing forward that's when things kind of cut off yeah in particular like the game is going along at this clip that just is like i i remember thinking about this at the end of the desert level is like where's this going like what 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 who's who's the who what are we exactly doing other than just looking for the promised land like why well i mean why 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 are like where's our end point what what is our what is our like challenge other than just like we keep coming across these bad guys with guns Honestly, I'm 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 okay with that fully, right? Like I thought that level was gonna like signal like okay, so this is the pace we're setting for the rest of the game now. The first one, you know, a little a little taste, and then we get to the second le- the second major level, which is the desert area, and that's like okay. So there's still stuff around, but like a lot there's a lot of issues with like a bunch of like the locals and stuff like that. I thought things were gonna like really pick up from there, 
and it just never did. Yeah, I mean, you would essentially leave an area, and this isn't something we have to go into deeply, but, like, it felt so forced, some of the people you had to leave behind in those areas. Mm-hmm. Like, the the one guy who stayed in the desert area made sense. It was like, these are my people. I need to help fight for freedom for them. I'm like, all right, man, you do you. Mm-hmm. First guy didn't make any sense. He's just like, I'm going to stay here and sacrifice myself. And it's like, what? No, we can both leave. And he's like, no, I'm making a noble choice. And then you get back on the train and he dies. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't quite know why I... you did that, but all right. I don't remember that actually. Yeah, he's that he, says a lot about that choice. Yeah, the swamp area. He uh he he you get onto like the whatever it is, like an oil tanker or something and he pushes you off mm-hmm. and he's like, "No, you need to say you need you have something to live for." And he pushes you off and then you're like, "All right." Um uh yeah, like it it just felt so weird that every area you went to had like a little character moment where everyone kind of like either left the party or had some character development to them. It felt strange. Mm-hmm. But anyway, gotcha. Um, so I mean, the story just kind of clips along at this pace of just these little short stories of like Artyom finds um a slaver cult that like that is trying to like make a better life not make a better life um they're trying to like use these slaves to build up this like civilization and empire um and it's really really terrible they basically abuse everyone everything's awful um yeah and then at some point in the story i feel like it's um i forget when does anna get sick it's like after it's after the desert level Mm-hmm. it's sometime after the desert level she starts developing this cough and then the stories then the story of everything is anna is your wife is sick you need to find medicine for her and that's what leads you to the next open world area which is the forest and effectively nothing gets done there <laughs> you take a little detour yeah. and you don't find the medicine an idiot falls in love and that's about it <laughs> Yeah, that's really all that happens with that area. Yeah. And I remember it being a letdown because it is it seemed like this is this nice size map and you never even go east of the river. Mm-hmm. Cuz like there looks like there was like a whole eastern half of the river that uh, could have been explored but we never end up going over there. Yeah, I feel like that level it has a cool concept where essentially you are stripped of all of your weapons. You need mm-hmm. to use what you find on the ground. But yeah, that is also the section I found the most frustrating from an endgame perspective. That mm-hmm. part of the game requires so much stealth because throughout the entire level, they're telling you, please don't kill anybody. They're not they're not bad people. They're just defending like they're just defending themselves from outsiders. Mm-hmm. And the game's karma ticks you every time you kill someone there. So stealth is essentially necessary, and I've gone over already how stealth is jank in, in, in general. Um, yeah. The bear fight fucking broke for me. It just entirely broke. I, I'm i lucky that it finished, essentially. That the mm. final boss fight with the bear... No, actually, no, it wasn't the final one. It was the second to last one. You're in a church graveyard, and he, he runs directly at you. 
And when he runs at you, he's supposed to like hit a wall and like get a little bit stunned, and then you can put some lead into him. You can you can you can kill him that way. About a minute into the fight, he ran at me, and then he didn't stop running. So he would go to a wall and kept running and running and running, and eventually he like curved himself off the wall, but he was still running. So he would do like a loop around back at me, and then he gets stuck in another wall and keep running and running and running. The entire time I'm putting lead into him, and I I don't I don't know if I'm actually doing anything because again the feedback of this game is awful. So I'm just pumping lead into this bear, and nothing's happening, and eventually I I shoot him while he's in a wall, and he like stops running, he turns around, stumbles, and then he sprints into a fence and falls off a cliff. Which I know is technically the scripted thing that happens because I've watched how the boss fight is supposed to go. But considering mm. the boss fight that I had up until that point, not promising. <laughs> I thought maybe the bear just <laughs> yeeted himself off a cliff and that was the end of it. But no, that apparently that apparently was supposed to happen. Damn. Yeah. So, alright. So, Ana gets sick. Yeah, that was... Yeah, that was not uh, how that played out for me. It was definitely pensive and uh, a little hard to figure out what I was supposed to do at first. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I eventually got there, and it felt a little more natural the way it ended for me, uh, as most things in this game did for me. <laughs> <laughs> Just rub my face in it, Anthony. No, it's fine. I You gotta smell it. So, like, you go into, you end up, you end into this forest area. Anna is still getting sicker and sicker. And eventually you realize that you have to go to this city that is ir- completely irradiated still. Like, it's covered in nuclear waste. I mean, uh, nuclear radiation. It's, it's, it, you can't go there without suffering severe radiation damage. So, they have this super cool setup that I, I actually really liked for, an en- for like a quote-unquote ending mission. Where you essentially pull together all the scrap off the off the train, you beef up these like suits of armor as best you can to avoid getting any radiation damage. You don't have to, because the the medicine you need to help your wife is in a building somewhere in the city, and you need to find it while spending the least amount of time possible in there. This level is easily the worst level in the entire game. Well, well, hold on, hold on. You skipped one. Hmm? You, see, you skipped the cannibals. <laughs> I keep forgetting that happened because it just felt like felt like nothing. Like you go, all right. So here's the story. So the beginning of the game. So the reason that um, we're traveling in the beginning of the game. This is technically a reason what you're doing is mm-hmm. the general of the train says that he wants to go to like. Russian command. He wants to go to the people who were running the military before the war um, killed everyone because they're going to have orders for him. They're going to tell him what to do and maybe he can like find a place to live because of that. So you go to this place that's transmitting this signal and oh no, it's cannibals! They eat people! That's about it. Then you leave. Which, which seems, you know what, I haven't really thought about it until now, but that's really dumb. <laughs> How so? 
like, well, okay, I want you to think about this, right? This is supposed to be their their general command bunker, right? Yeah, like the head of the the head of the Russian military post the nukes going off. And you're telling me uh, they wouldn't they wouldn't have any sort of way to 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 kind of have things kind of live out while while being under there, or like you know. Uh, they wouldn't just bully the peasants around them <laughs> to give them food like that. Just I I, th- it... I think the idea, and it's been a long while since I played this section of the game. So if I'm wrong, please correct me. I get the feeling uh-huh. these were raiders who took over the bunker, and they were pretending oh, to be the military. I think. I I recall there being actual Russian high command there. That's that's what I recall. Because they had actual doctors and, like, that kind of thing um, going on with them. So that that was that was my thinking behind it. So I thought that was, like, supposed to be the literal command of their force. It, it just seems like um, such a poor idea for, for them. Especially since, like, you know, supposedly they, they kept getting people to come, right? Like, hey, if people keep showing up, obviously there's some way to live besides just, you know, eating people. Because they're living long enough, right? Yeah. Like, I, I don't I don't know. There, there just seems like a way, way better way of being able to, 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 to live through that nonsense than what, it, what, what they were. The, the section itself did feel like uh, the other Metro games, though. Mm-hmm. I, I, it probably felt most like the other Metro games. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. It, it, it felt like it was straight out of 2033 or Last Light um, in mm. a good way almost, where it was just like, oh, yeah, these are corridors. You go down them. Like, the enemy's trying to kill you, yada, yada. Um, mm-hmm. My only real problem with that is that felt like such a played-out trope. Like, Metro yeah. is such a good way of... of telling a story that feels familiar but telling it in such a way that you can like it has its own twist to it mm-hmm. this just felt like an apocalypse story that somebody wrote down on a napkin and they were like how do we fit this into metro exodus like how do we fit in um apocalypse cannibals it's like all right well i guess we could make it in like a military thing it's like all right good put it in the game it didn't feel like yeah. it added a whole lot. It was just like, yep, you you came across cannibals, and you killed them, and you escaped. And nothing happened from there, really. Yeah. Yeah. It. That's kind of why I didn't mention it, is just because it's like, I, I don't know what I can add to it other than, like, it felt fine, it felt alright, but it wasn't, like, my favorite section of the game. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, speaking of favorite section, let's talk about my least favorite section, the final level of the game. Mm -hmm. I don't like this level very much. Um, it is extremely corridory, even though it's an entire city for you to explore. It, it, it railroads you through this thing so hard. Um, every single turn you make is... It only you only have one path to move forward. Yeah. Um, and I think it's very fair to say that that in itself is not a bad thing if the tracks we're on are pretty cool to go down. Right. That is that is a fair point. Um, 
I hate so many things about this level. There, there are these, there's this boat section that's miserable. Oh my god. Do you remember this section? With the worms? With, yeah, with the things in the water. With the things I in do. the water and the things on the walls. I hate them so much. I don't even know if I have the energy <laughs> to describe it. It's... Um, yeah, I think it was basically like there were these these mutated creatures that were like in the water trying to pull you off a, a little rowboat that you had to both row or shoot from, mm-hmm. not both at the same time. You had to pick which you were doing, and shooting at them uh, only kept them back for a little bit. Yeah. Um, unless you got your big unless you got your big rifle and put a bullet in them that way, and then. You might have a chance of actually killing it. Yeah. Yeah. And then on top of that, when you have to get out of the boat to do like a little like section to open up a gate, um, there's these little worms on the walls that spit at you with 100% accuracy. Mm -hmm. And you already have limited resources going into this. So you're going through this and getting spit at by worms, and you need to kill every single one, so you're trying to conserve ammo, so you're slapping every single one with the butt of your gun. Um, or you're shooting them and wasting ammo, which is also an option, but not a good one. Um, and then you end up, finally, after that section, um, become feeling the effects of radiation poisoning. And you start seeing um, hallucinations, which... We're okay. Like, I don't really have much to say about them, to be honest. They were fun. On a pretend... Yeah, like, uh, the game itself kind of has, like, a bit of a supernatural feel Mm -hmm. to it. Which, um, it kind of backs away from, it seems. Right? Yeah, the previous games... It's still there from point to point. Yeah, the previous two games lay heavily on the supernatural stuff. Like, they always have those lights that, um, you would see floating around in the metro... You had to stay out of their way, otherwise they would kill you instantly. This game doesn't have a whole lot of that, except in this ending chapter, and even then it feels like it's like radiation poisoning, kind of like manipulating mm-hmm. you. Yeah. I don't know, that might just be a story thing. Like, um, since you left the Metro, the ghosts of the Metro aren't there anymore. Um... Yeah, you you don't really get a feel for those too much, though they do exist in certain points that you go into. I remember there was the one place in the uh, what was it in the desert level uh, when you're going into the ruins of something that those were still a little present there. Oh yeah, yeah, there were there were like ghosties hanging out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it does seem like overall like that stuff was pulled back on a bit, which I think is a little unfortunate because. I feel like some of the strongest things that they that Metro can rely on is the horror element that it has and the mix of the supernatural and the um I guess atomic mutation uh kind of mixing together is something really enjoyable. Oh. But it doesn't really feel like this uh game relied on that as much. Oh yeah. Um, it's, Metro has always been propped up by two things. One is it's, like, supernatural, I guess, fantasy or sci-fi elements, um, where Mm -hmm. it's, like, it's, like, the ghosts in the tunnels, or the, the 
mutated monsters you meet out in the real out in the open world um and then Mm -hmm. the second side of it is the people you meet the people you meet in these games are always super interesting they have a story to them they have motivation characters they they they, they're they're chock full of character they're filled to the Mm -hmm. brim with character yeah and this game definitely pulled back on the more like horror um supernatural stuff which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it also didn't push the gas on like the human characters of this game. It didn't feel like I cared a whole lot about the characters that were on the train with you. Did did, did you feel different? Like honestly, I um, honestly I felt for Anna and like um, the general, but that was about it. I'm not gonna lie. I can't. I think general, the general Anna and Artyom are the only characters I really remember. I know there were other characters in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, no. It's those three and the Kazakh lady. Uh, oh, the one you find that, that we met in the des- in the desert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like those. Those are the four people that I feel like really stood out in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody else didn't really as much the people on the train is like yeah i get you i feel like i didn't even really understand who they were until like uh we were like well past half the game yeah i feel Um, like there wasn't a whole ton of characterization for them like there wasn't a ton of people like there wasn't a ton of moments for you to really get to know them outside of like maybe stefan who starts dating and then marries the one woman you find oh yeah 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 i do i do remember that yes you know what's weird to me this this is something that's probably explained in the dlc because it's an entire dlc for sam sam is voiced by like an a-list voice actor and he doesn't really get much characterization outside of he's an american who joined your russian side when the nukes fell it's like that's a lot of story there man are you are you gonna expand on that? No, yeah. I need to play the DLC. Okay. Well, yeah, I think I think one of the things that um, the game does suffer from is the fact that it's very Artem focused, and I get that he is the main character, right? So that does make sense, but like everybody revolves around him. Yeah. Kind of deal. Oh, so here we go. So yeah, Sam is voiced by Steve Blum. Like, he's mm-hmm. voiced by the voice of Spike Spiegel and, like, um, uh, what's it called? Um, uh, just a whole bunch of famous people. Like, he, he's voiced, like, he's got such an iconic voice. So when you're going through these, like, um, when you're going through the game and, like, everyone's, like, kind of Russian-y, like, you don't really recognize anybody. And then there's Steve Blum just kind of there. I'm like, what are you doing here? What, what, what's up with you? <laughs> why, why are you famous? man um, I'm, not, I'm not gonna lie i didn't i didn't pick up on him but i also don't know characters that well so. <laughs> if i played if i played spike spiegel from cowboy bebop and then sam like the two the two voices back to back you definitely recognize it okay um, also he's the voice of the tsunami guy oh you probably recognize him from that. okay but anyway um that that makes sense. All right. I still I still didn't put it together though. All right. Let me fin- <laughs> let me finish this up. Let me finish up the end of the game because I'm just getting sad now. Okay. So so at the end of the game, you're going through this irradiated wasteland. You're manip- you're no, not me. You're you're hallucinating like things are showing up that you shouldn't be seeing. Um 
and on top of that, you're um, you're still trying to find this medicine for your wife. <sighs> Sorry, um, you're still trying to find this medicine for your wife, and you eventually get to this section with these bears. Well, like the bears, monsters. I don't know what they're. I don't know what they really are, but they're blind monsters. And this is where the system. This is where the stealth system feels the absolute worst and it's really the last thing you do in the game this is technically the last boss fight of the game there's this bear following you around that the idea is supposed to be that it, it's 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 tricked by sound it really only follows you when there's sound that goes off so mm-hmm. if you step on broken glass it will follow you if you throw a can off in the distance it should go over to where the can is I couldn't get this thing to work at all. It felt entirely random where they were going, what they were doing. I'll be honest. I, I, I felt like most of the time I wasn't, I was just kind of doing things and the, and the AI was just kind of doing things as well. It wasn't reacting to what I was doing. There's one section at the very end where there's two of them, two of them like hunting you in this room. There's broken glass everywhere. And you need to get to this switch to open a door so you can leave. And I stepped on like every piece of broken glass. And every time I did this, it gave me different results. One time the, the bears didn't even chase me. They were just like sniffing around doing their own thing. And other times they would chase me down and maul me immediately. I It felt so bad. And I think the thing that killed me was I didn't realize this was the end of the game. I didn't realize this was, like, I didn't realize this was the final boss of the game. So I was just, like, trying to get through it so I could, like, get medicine and then finish up the game or do whatever the final bits are. So I get past this stealth section. There's a little cutscene where you grab the medicine and you fall and you uh, take a little tumble and you get found by the general who is, like, who pulls you into a car and tries to drive you out of this radiation zone. He unfortunately passes away and then you have to drive the rest of your way out. You get out, but like you're so irradiated, everything's awful, but you finally get back and the train shows up and you're saved by your crew. They get you onto the train and they need to transfuse your blood to save you because you're just so filled with radiation. They're just trying to pump the radiation out of you essentially. Now, I know that Metro games in the past have all had multiple endings. Basically a good ending and a bad ending. And I expected that for this game. I I think most people who get the bad ending, which I did, are going to be so mad at the game. The ending of this game the bad ending of this game has you dying of radiation poisoning. Shows you It shows you a grave where you've been buried. And your wife, Anna, is standing over the grave, grieving, like, inconsolable. She's so, she, she's, she's so sad that you've died. And she hates you for dying because you saved her. And the last words out of her mouth is like, I hate you 
I hate you for what you did. And then the credits roll. I was furious at this ending. This makes <laughs> you feel like such a bad person. And I played the game as lawfully good as I humanly could. I remember talking to you after I finished the game and looking at the wiki about what I did in the game that might have tricked, like, tipped me over into a bad ending. And for the most part, I did all the right stuff. I missed one yeah, side. I find this. I miss. I, I find this extra funny, especially since I basically burned down the village in the forest. Right, like I, I missed one side quest in the game that they said was like worth some karma points, um, and I, I maybe killed a small handful of people in the forest. I could maybe five at most, and it gave me the worst ending of the game. I don't know what I did wrong. I genuinely don't, and I have no want or need to go back. Oh, sorry. I have no need or want to go back and replay this game for the good ending. I have no, I have no reason to go back and do it, especially after the experience I had in this game. I have no interest in going back. Uh, I think that's very fair. I find it funny that I basically burned down the forest area uh, because I ended up getting caught when I was trying to sneak through their major camp. Uh, I basically ended up killing most of the people in that. Right? Like... Um, and uh, I got the good ending. Yeah, like, like I, I was telling you about this and you were losing your mind because you were like, what? That's the bad ending? I'm like, yeah, like... What? <laughs> God, it's so miserable. I hated it. Yeah. Uh, it's... It's really something man i'm this this game is just like I, i'm happy that i played it but um it 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 feels like it was a bun in the oven that needed more cooking yeah and i, I i'm especially mad at myself for waiting so long to play it and then eventually getting around to finally playing it after hearing the praise that was heaped on this game and then having you just the what? miserable time that i did you know what would have been funny hmm? if if you had ended up playing it on the from the Epic Store and you didn't have those issues, oh it was my god! Specifically, the Steam version of the game. Oh god, I would have, I would have been so happy, I would have been so happy. But that's the experience I had with it. I, I'm not a fan, and I'm, I'm really disappointed in 4A games. I know that my mm. issues were very specific. But I just I I I'm, I just wasn't happy with this game through and through. Like it's it's not a terrible game. It's not a game that I'm gonna look at and be like, wow, I can't believe I played that. But it's gonna be a game that's super frustrating to me because I just don't. I don't I don't know why this game feels this bad to play, considering the last two games have been some of my favorite shooters of all time. And this game feels vastly different. Yeah, I still find that kind of funny because I definitely enjoyed the shooting in this game. And uh, I enjoyed the combat in the game and I enjoyed all those sort of things. But I also feel like the game was specifically trying to make you not do the combat as well. Yeah. Like it, it was a game that was like, hey, uh, don't do combat. It was pushing, you, and, it was pushing uh, you towards stealth. It was pushing you towards like other ways of handling issues but mm -hmm. the combat felt good enough Weird. for what it, for what it was 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I personally really enjoyed the combat for what it was. Um, it may not be something like uh, like an like some other traditional shooters are, but I kind of enjoy the weightiness to it and um, how it felt that way. I, I felt like the only time the combat really broke down was when you're trying to shoot people from range and more people from range keep coming in. Yeah. Like, that's that's when it feels like it does break down, I would say. Yeah. But everywhere from, like, medium range to, like, closer range, I feel like it works very well. Yeah. Although I will say the game... The, the game's combat got significantly better for me when I unlocked a sniper rifle and I could shoot people from a far distance. Because before mm. that, I was trying to shoot them, shoot that with that little pneumatic launcher, the one with the, like, steel balls. And that was mm. awful. I hated that. <laughs> but the sniper rifle was right up my alley. Um, what kind of... What, what, nice. well, before we really wrap up, what kind of guns did you bring with you? When, when, when you had, like, carte blanche to carry whatever you wanted, what did you normally have? We could we could hold four guns at the same time, right? If I recall correctly, three. How many? Three. Okay. Um, let's see. I always kept the sniper rifle with me for the most part, mm-hmm. uh, the big fat one. Uh, let's see. I brought the shotgun, the the belt loader. Mm-hmm. And let's see. No. Mm. Let's see. I would also have the AK. The AK would always be with me. I would trade out the sniper rifle with the with the pellet shooter. Yeah. I feel like the pellet shooter usually did some pretty good work. Because um, after you gave it certain upgrades, it really works well, in my opinion. Yeah, that was kind of my setup for most of the game. Was an assault rifle, a shotgun, and the pellet gun. And then it was a sniper rifle, a shotgun, and the pellet gun. And then as soon as I had the option for the crossbow, I traded out the pellet gun immediately. My, uh, my, my, the crossbow was significantly better. Um, but oh, that, I liked using the, the pellet gun just because it was so easy to get ammo for it. It was, but I just, I was not a fan of how little damage it put out. Hmm. Um, I always thought it put out enough damage, really. I wasn't using it as a machine gun, if you were. I was using it primarily as a single shot, and that was yeah, awful because anytime you needed to hit somebody in the head... If you missed, it was like, all right, well, now I need to hit a moving target with this shit. Mm, yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. But I um, I mean, I think the shotgun is incredible in this game. It's it's it, it's something to carry in every every scenario. And then your other two weapons mm-hmm. swip swap no matter what. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I think we're reaching the I think we're reaching the end of the tank here. I think we're reaching yeah, um, that's for sure. the end of the tank for this game. <laughs> I uh, I don't recommend this game. I just don't. I can't do it in good faith. Oh. Damn you! You have uh, you you've changed your feels on that. It's not a change because it was the same as before. But like but I not, I can't now you're reliving all the negativity. I I just can't see a reason why if somebody's gonna have a similar experience to me. I can't see a good oh, reason yeah. to recommend this game. And if all the technical yeah. issues I had were not there, I still don't know if I would be recommending this game. I feel like it's the same as before, where if you haven't played a Metro game, play the first two. Absolutely, hands down. If you've played the other two, you're probably going to play Metro Exodus anyway. Because, I mean, you, you want to know where the story yeah. goes. 
Yeah, you know what? I think that's a pretty good point because, like, I don't think I would recommend this game as their f if they haven't played the other two. Because, like, if they say they haven't played this game, I'd say, hey, uh, play the Metro Redux first, then do Last Light, and then you can go into Exodus. Oh, yeah. I, I would not recommend this game to somebody that um, did not play the other two at all, actually. I think you're correct about, about that, actually. Yeah, this is this mm. is not a game I would I would recommend to somebody as a free stand is a standalone game. This is not something I would say like yeah. play this game and this game only. It's like no, I I really think the other two games are significantly stronger and and they can stand on their own. Like if you played Last Light on your own, that'd be fine. Mm -hmm. Uh if you played uh me the first Metro game, that would be fine. Um so yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there. I I think now that I think about it. Yeah, I think for the most part you could choose an open world game that is significantly better and older than yeah. this game. Has better narrative cohesion yeah. and yeah, I think I agree with you now. Damn it, Drew. <laughs> I've brought you over to my side. Well, what a dark side it is. Well, I apologize to everyone that this wasn't a fun, funny podcast this time around um I, I, oh no we 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 talked we talked about uh pissing in your cheerios so we have that <laughs> that is very true but yeah um I, I well real quick one last question and then we'll wrap up sure um metro 4 let's say that they, they, they announce metro 4 tomorrow okay and it's another open world game yeah. how do you feel about it are you gonna buy it think so <laughs> like, it's so indecisive it, look i mean here's the thing like the whole part of the metro series is that it was in the metro right like i feel like they could have easily gone into like um they could have changed the series into a few different ways i feel like they could have gone the direction where they were going with um they're exploring the uh the different metro systems of different cities or they could have um they could have more heavily leaned into the the fact that the outside was pretty much burned and died i and i don't i'm not sure i agree with the direction that the series went mm -hmm. and i don't think i would follow it more past this point like i think how the series started off was really good and i enjoyed that but i don't think moving forward i would want to follow it any further you see i'm kind of on the opposite side of the coin for me i think the next game they put out i think they learned a lot of lessons from this game i think because it felt okay. rushed because it felt like the 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 game was missing bits of content or it wasn't as streamlined as the other two went it's a completely different design for them. Open world is way different than the first two games. I think if they announced Metro 4 and they said it was going to be an open world game, we were like, um, we're going to stick to the formula of Exodus. I think I would still be excited for it because I think the issues I had with this game, excluding the technical ones, I think they will have learned from and they will improve on that formula. Because I, I see okay. I see a good game in Exodus, but with the issues it has, I think 
I would want to see what they would improve before I could say anything. But I would be excited mm-hmm. if they announced another open world game. Another open world Metro game. Maybe. I mean, I, I, I don't really agree with that now. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, I think uh, the direction that they chose to go in with this, uh, I don't really see where they're gonna go from here, on it, because um, like if you've read the books, like there's there's a lot of other things in the first and second book that they could have explored or gone into, and um, they just didn't, and there's there's elements which they could easily push into the games which they didn't and uh i don't know i i feel like there's a lot more to explore within the moscow metros themselves and progress that instead of just saying fuck off and go to the entirety of russia apparently. <laughs> um yeah i agree with you I mean, honestly, they probably could have done the entire game in Kazakhstan, and I think it would have been great. Yeah. Instead of just um, having the one des- desert level that they had, uh, I think, I think narrowing their focus to a single area would have been much better. Um, or just staying focused on like one thing they wanted to try to do. Uh, I feel like if they wanted to do the vignette thing that they were going for, it needed to be a much longer game or at least with like some sort of branching path that you could have gone down like it doesn't really feel like there were any choices that were really made with this whole like open world kind of deal it it feels like they had the whole open world concept in order to go from place to place and they didn't really do um enough with it to make it worthwhile yeah Uh, that's and I'm not really confident that they're going to learn really from what they did. Yeah, I see, I see what you're saying, but I I think they're really talented people at the studio. And I think, if anything, I would be excited to see what would be new in this next game. I, I do think it's very strange that they made this game basically brand new. Like, this is, as far as you were telling me, this is not a story from, like, the Metro series. They I don't mean, really go I, above the I think the we surface. discovered that I thought I read three books, and I only read two. Well, even still, I was reading through the description of Metro 2035. It was not really matching this. It, it wasn't really matching, like, the story taking place 90% above the surface. I think, I think from what I remember, yeah. this description was, like, the end of the story they're like we need to go above the surface to see what the world's like um yeah, yeah so I, I i i i am interested in what they announce next i don't a hundred percent know if i would buy whatever they put out but i am interested in whatever they're gonna do because i think they're i mean t- if we're talking like just straight up interested in what they do yeah i'm interested in what they do going forward but I'm probably not interested in getting uh, buying it or anything along those lines. Okay. All right. Well, that's All that's right. the end. Would you say that's the end of the metro? It's the end of the line. Toot toot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's an awful pun.
that I did it, you didn't stop me. I would never stop you. <laughs>